Welcome each and every one of you to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holmes. How is everybody doing on this Thursday? Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Newton, Georgia. And on the show today, I've got GPB sports anchor Matt Stewart. He's also the play-by-play announcer for the College Park Skyhawks. And he is the play-by-play announcer for Sun Belt Baseball on ESPN+. Plus. As we're going to dig deep into the College World Series, and the Sun Belt had a great regional appearance with Coastal Carolina and Troy. And we're also going to preview a little bit of the upcoming high school football season. It is two months away. I cannot believe that high school football is just around the corner. And what better way than to talk to the voice of the GPB Sports High School Game of the Week as we were previewing the playoffs in the GP in the GHSA. But we do have a great show for you. We'll be right back. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Newton. 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre tract is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. We're back on the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And on the show, I've got a very special guest. He's got a lot of accolades. He is pretty much the voice of Southeast Collegiate and High School Sports. You can hear him do play-by-play for GPB, the Broadcasting Sports High School Football. Also, Georgia Athletics, the Sunbelt Conference. Matt Stewart, welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. How are you doing this summer? I'm doing great. I know you've had a pretty busy summer so far. I know we're about a couple of months away from high school football. Yep. But you were able to call the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. And Mm -hmm. the Sunbelt Tournament is pretty big because we had two teams in the regionals. We know the accolades with Coastal Carolina. They Mm -hmm. were hosting the Conway Regional. Unfortunately, they did lose to Duke. But Troy really gave Alabama all they could handle. And I think that the Sunbelt had – 
a pretty successful season, and you got to be a part of it. Yeah, actually four teams in the NCAA regionals because Southern Miss uh, won the Auburn regional, and now they're hosting the Super Regional this weekend against uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, yes, yeah, Southern Miss, new team, first year in the conference from Conference USA where they dominated Conference USA baseball. They won the tournament championship this year. You mentioned Coastal Carolina. They won the regular season title. They got knocked out in the final game. They created a tough path for themselves, losing to Ryder in the first game of the regional. So they had to play through the loser's bracket all the way through and eventually kind of ran out of pitching there and lost to Duke in the final Southern Miss also lost their opening game to Samford, and then they played their way through the loser's bracket and beat Penn in the final. Troy, you mentioned they had a great season under Coach Skyler Mead, his second year as the head coach of the uh, Trojans. They played in the Alabama Regional. They actually, you know, they could have won that regional. They had a lead late in the second round in the winner's bracket game against Alabama and uh, had a lead late, couldn't hold it, got knocked into the loser's bracket and eventually got eliminated by Boston College. But had they won that game, that's kind of the margin right there. I mean, it, it can come down to just a couple of runs and a couple of outs. Had they won that second game, they would have had a good shot of coming out of that uh, Tuscaloosa Regional. And uh, Louisiana, they won the, uh, they, they were finalists in the tournament championship game. They got into an NCAA Regional for a second time. Uh, they played in the Coral Gables Regional, uh, stayed in play until Sunday when they were eliminated by Miami. And Texas actually ended up winning that regional. Matt, what did it mean for Coastal Carolina to win the College World Series? I believe, what, back in 2016? That's correct. Yep. Oh, well, it was huge. I mean, gave them instant credibility. You know, I, I know Coach... Doug Gilmore very well, and he's announced uh, after the Sun Belt Tournament that he was going to retire at the end of the next season. So 2024 is going to be his final season as the head coach, going to give it a run. He's a legendary coach. And, you know, what he said was it gave him instant credibility. Before then, when you walked into a recruit's house and said, we're from Coastal Carolina, first of all, you had to explain who, what, and where Coastal Carolina was because people didn't really know. But when they got on that national stage, won the, the national championship in 2016, did it in such unconventional fashion. I think they won six elimination games on the way through the regionals, the supers, and, and then the College World Series won, won a regional at NC State, you know, when basically their season came down to the last pitch in that regional at NC State that year. And there was a rain delay, and they had to come back the next day for one more pitch and end up winning the thing and winning the regional. And then they go on the road, and they win at LSU in the Supers, unheard of. And then they go to the College World Series and eventually win the national championship. It was huge, made them a national name, made them a national brand. If you look at their roster, I mean, it's, it's got players from all over the country. And it's because they won a national championship in 2016. They don't have to explain to anybody, you know, where Coastal is, what Coastal's about, their winning tradition and all that kind of stuff. They are, uh, you know, you if you want to call the Sun Belt a mid-major conference, I, I really think it's kind of a power conference in baseball. You know, I think, you, you know, just because it's a mid-major in football, mid-major in basketball, I think it's a power conference. It holds its own. 
with with most of the conferences, you know, you throw you know throw the SEC out. SEC is just uh, above and beyond everybody else. But then you know you you can put it in there with the Pac-12. I think you can put it in there with the Big 12. Uh, you know, it competes with the ACC, maybe a notch below the ACC. I think they're a power conference team in a power conference. And this has really been a great conference. You had Georgia Southern hosting a regional last year. Correct. And and you call a lot of games in the Southeast Regional to include Georgia Athletics, Georgia Southern, right. uh, all this on ESPN Plus, right? Right. Well, yeah, the, the Georgia games are on SEC Network Plus, ESPN Plus. It's all really the same thing. It's just branded SEC Network Plus when it's involving an SEC Network school. But you find it all on the same platform, which is the ESPN Plus and the uh, the nonlinear platform, SEC Network Plus, ACC Extra, all those different kind of platforms, even ESPN3. But, um, yeah, I, most of the games I do uh, during the regular season, most of the games I call involve Georgia. So, yeah, I call and I've been, you know, I've been calling Georgia baseball games for over 20 years. You know, first it was Comcast Sports Southeast. And then once that transitioned out and the SEC Network transitioned in, calling games for SEC Network, SEC Network Plus. Matt, let's talk about Georgia baseball. With all sure. the SEC teams made it to the regional, Georgia just hired a new head baseball coach. Uh, the I want to say it's, he's from LSU. Uh, he, was, right. he was a the hitting coach or is a pitching coach. I can't remember. Pitching um, coach. He's the pitching coach. Yep. Awesome. Wes Johnson. Yep. Wes Johnson getting hired to be the new head coach for the Georgia baseball team. who Saw some success in 2008. They reached the College World Series final but lost mm -hmm. to Fresno State. They, they were one game away from winning the College World Series. They did win the College World Series back in 1990. I they called had that. A, yep. Oh, absolutely. And they also have a Golden Spikes finalist. Uh, and yep. Charlie I think Condon. that Charlie Condon. And, yep. And with all the success that Georgia should be seeing, uh, what are the expectations for Georgia baseball, especially with all these SEC teams making it to regionals and hosting regionals? Right. Well, I mean, Georgia's had a good history. In fact, Georgia was the first ever SEC team to win a national championship, as you mentioned, in 1990. Uh, you know, back then I was uh, the radio play-by-play -play guy with Scott Howard, who does the football and basketball now for Georgia. We were like a team. Scott and I did the baseball. And, uh, yeah, and they won the national championship in 1990. They went through a great stretch there in the, uh, you know, the, the, the following decade after that 1990. It was kind of dry and barren. Steve Weber uh, resigned, and they brought in the, the coach from uh, Georgia Military, I'm, I'm sorry, Georgia College uh, in Cochrane, and he didn't. He had great success in the junior college ranks, and he didn't do very well. And then they brought in Ron Polk, and Ron Polk kind of gave him an instant jolt of credibility in life. They got to the College World Series under Coach Polk, and then he resigned and went back to Mississippi State. They brought in David Perno, a former player, a player on that 1990 National Championship team, a guy I knew very well. And, you know, they went to the World Series in 2002, 2004, 2006, 2008, as you mentioned, um, and and came should have won. I mean, by, you know, they took a 1-0 lead in the best two out of three series against Fresno State, which was the Cinderella team, much like the Ole Miss team, this past year, Fresno State was the last team in the tournament back in 2008, and they made the run and won the national championship, just like the Ole Miss Rebels did in 2022. And then, you know, Perno 
they hit hit a tough spell there, had some losing seasons. You know, he, you know, they let him go. They bring in Scott Strickland, who had a tremendous career at Kent State and had been the head coach for the last 10 years up until this past year. You know, he, you know, they had some lean years early on with Scott uh, as he tried to rebuild the program through freshmen, uh, which I still think is the preferred method to do it, to go through the high school ranks. COVID and that has changed a lot of the dynamic there with the, you know, the seemingly endless uh, transfer portal kids jump from one school to the next without having to sit out. That's totally changed the game in all of the collegiate sports and it's changed it in baseball and Georgia kind of got trapped in that COVID uh, trap. Uh, 2018, they were uh, top, top eight national seed, 2019 top eight national seeds. Unfortunately for the Bulldogs, those two years, they were top eight national seeds and hosting a regional. They did not win their regionals. And so they got eliminated, got knocked out, never made it to the Supers. 2020, they come back. They're ranked number two in the country, uh, you know, in the first month of the season. They're getting ready to open their conference schedule. Then COVID hits. They lost two great pitchers, Emerson Hancock, the number six pick in the draft. Cole Wagner was taken in the third round. Both those guys are still, you know, high up in the, you know, high big-time prospects in the, in the teams that selected them in the draft that year. And then, you know, and then – 2021, 2022, 2023, just kind of, you know, average middling success. They were never able to get back into that upper echelon. And, you know, Strickland, love Scott Strickland, thinks he, I think he's a great coach. I think he'd go coach somewhere else if he, if he chooses to do that. Uh, but you can't deny that, you know, if they'd kept him, I've been fine with that. They didn't, you know, I understand that decision too. Uh, the Wes Johnson decision remains to be seen. I don't know. I mean, he's got a tremendous record as a pitching coach. Uh, just, you know, he was less than a year with the LSU Tigers. He was in Major League Baseball with the Minnesota Twins. He made history when he became the first person ever to be hired from pitching coach in college to a pitching coach in Major League Baseball. And then made history when he became the, uh, the first guy in Major League Baseball to go back to college. Or at least in, the, I mean, they LSU called him. He left in the middle of the season, kind of, uh, you know, ruffled some feathers by doing that in Major League Baseball. But the point I'm trying to make with Wes Johnson is I don't know what kind of a head coach he is. I know that his acumen and his resume, his reputation as a pitching coach is among the tops in college baseball. Does that translate out into being a head coach? He's never been a head coach outside of being a high school head coach early in his career. He's been a pitching coach this whole time. No doubt, pitching's important. Georgia needs pitching badly. If he can improve the pitching staff, that's going to be a great thing. Remains to be seen what kind of a head coach he's going to be. Josh Brooks made the decision. Georgia's AD. I trust Josh Brooks' decision-making, and so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, that's that's where Georgia's going from here on out. Matt, making the transition from college baseball to high school football, you mm -hmm. are the voice of GPB Sports, the high school game of the week, and all the games you can watch on the Georgia Public Broadcasting Network when we come to playoff time. But let's talk about the upcoming 2023 season. We are okay. two months away from high school football, and we've seen teams come out of nowhere. You know, a team like Buford getting upset, and then you have a team like Mill Creek winning the 7A title. Langston Hughes won the 6A title. Ware County 
I mean, you've had some amazing yeah. stories. And first of all, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room. I mean, they're going to have replay this year. I We all know the situation with the Sandy Creek uh, Cedar Grove game. Mm-hmm. Um, where, did you call that game? I, I can't remember. I, I did not. I'm glad I didn't. Oh, I'm, oh, I <laughs> I'm glad I did. That uh, yeah, would have been, been very it, tough. Yeah, it would have been hard for me to, you know, got on, get on my soapbox uh, if I had called that game. Uh, yeah, I'm glad they've instituted replay. To be honest with you, in my mind, they should have instituted replay uh, several years ago. Uh, you know, they always told us, you know, the National Federation of High School Football, you know, when they do it, we'll do it. Well, they did it and they didn't do it. And so, unfortunately, in my mind, it was just setting up for another unfortunate circumstance like we had in uh, Peach County and Calhoun in the state title game back, uh, you know, the, the first time this happened where there was a play that, you know, had it been reviewed, possibly would have changed the outcome, certainly would have changed the outcome of that play and probably the outcome of the, of the state championship. And, um, you know, but beside replay, you know, and I, it's great. I love the tool. I wish I wish we had it for everything. You know, I re- really do. Technolo- from a technological standpoint, I, I realize that's not that's not possible. So I'm happy that we're going to have it for the state finals, going to have it for the Corky Kell Classic, which I'll be calling to kick off the season, you know, in, in mid-August. We'll have it for the games, the four games that are played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Corky Kell. That's going to kind of be the test run. And then we'll have it for the the eight state championship games that will be played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in December. And I'm happy about that. But beyond the whole replay issue, when we talk about specifically the Sandy Creek and Cedar Grove state championship game, why the officials didn't huddle up and reverse that call when it was obvious to everybody there in the stadium who watched on television that they had blown the call. All they had to do was huddle up, and, you know, okay, you're not, and did no one see out of the eight-man officiating crew that he did not get into the end zone and reverse that call? I don't, uh, to me, that still blows my mind that they didn't huddle up, that all eight officials didn't see it where 99.9% of the rest of the world did. So that's what blows my mind about that one. Matt, let's start with 7A. Mill Creek won the state title last year, but they are losing Caleb Downs. He's now playing mm-hmm. at Alabama. Can Mill Creek repeat as champions for 7A, or do you see another favorite coming out of 7A? Well, I've been working on my preseason rankings. I'm not totally done with them yet, but in 7A, I'm going to have Buford ranked number one, but I have Mill Creek ranked number two. They did lose Caleb Downs. They lost a lot of talent. They lost Mikel Wood, their great wide receiver. They lost their quarterback, uh, Hayden Clark. Uh, but I, I think that this is, I think this is a team that's got a significant amount of talent coming back. Not as much as Buford. Nobody has as much as Buford unless it's maybe Langston Hughes as far as a talent standpoint coming back. And I've got uh, I've got Mill Creek ranked number two in my preseason. Carrollton ranked number three with Juju Lewis. You know, the probably the best um, rising sophomore quarterback in the nation. They haven't ranked those guys yet, but I believe when the sophomore rankings first come out, he'll be ranked the number one sophomore quarterback in the nation or certainly in the top two or three. And uh, so I got Buford one, Mill Creek two, Carrollton three. Walton, the team that beat Buford with Jeremy Helensky coming back 
for his senior season. I got them ranked number five. All right, 6A. There was not a team more dominant than Langston Hughes last year out of Fairburn. I think that Langston Hughes, they look very strong. Uh, do you think that Langston Hughes is the favorite out of 6A? Yeah, there's no question in my mind. Langston Hughes is the favorite in 6A. I mean, they are, if we had an all-classification type of championship, you know, I think it would be Langston Hughes versus Buford. Uh, Langston Hughes has a ton of talent coming back, and, and including Air Nolan at quarterback. He's already committed to Ohio State. He makes that offense go, but they're just such a complete team. I mean, offensively, defensively, I don't think there's anybody in 6A who stacks up against them. Now, Gainesville got in the final last year and played a strong final. I got Gainesville ranked number five in my preseason rankings, you know, so it'll mean to be seen who, you know, ends up challenging them. Houston County is a team to watch out of middle Georgia, I think, with their great uh, rising junior quarterback, uh, you know, but Langston Hughes to me is uh, uh, is even more dominant a favorite in 6A than Buford is in 7A. Buford, to me, is not a dominant favorite in 7A. They're in the mix. They're the favorite of among, I would say, probably about six teams in my mind. You know, Langston Hughes, though, to me, is a, is a dominant favorite, probably the most dominant favorite out of all the classifications. 5A, Ware County came out of nowhere to defeat Warner Robins and deny them their three-peat but is this the year, Matt, that Warner Robins bounces back and becomes the favorite to win the 5A state title? I got them ranked number two uh, in my preseason ranking. They got Isaiah Cannon coming back. Young man has, you know, came out of nowhere. He was a wide receiver last year. And then, you know, they lost their starting quarterback in week 10 or 11, 9, 10 or 11. It was end of the season or the start of the playoffs. They lost their starting quarterback. And they had to move Isaiah Cannon from wide receiver to quarterback, and he helped lead him to the state championship game. He'll go back to wide receiver this year, I believe. And Isaiah Cannon is already committed to Ohio State. Uh, I, I believe one of Robbins is number two. I got Ware number three. The team that you need to watch for in 5A, it's kind of my – uh, I don't know if it's a dark horse with all the talent they have coming back, but they were 10 and two made it to the second round last year is Kell. I think Kell is loaded. Uh, Kell's my uh, slight favorite in five, a going into the season, Bobby may, who was the head coach at Westlake. He's now in his second season as the Longhorns head coach. They've uh, assembled quite a team of talent. I think that's a team that is going to be very explosive offensively. That's kind of like the, uh, that's kind of the profile of Bobby May. They put points on the board, but uh, don't underestimate his defenses either. So Kel's my slight favorite in 5A. All right, Matt. 4A, Benedictine, the back-to-back -back champions. I know there's a lot of people that think that Benedictine can three-peat. But there is an up-and-coming team that's got some talented players that went to the Final Four, lost to Benedictine, and that is Troop County. Yep. As Teo Todd is coming back as the quarterback, Qua Birdsong, I mean, they've got some players ranked in Rivals.com, the top recruits in the state of Georgia. What head coach Tanner Glisson has got going, I think that Troop County gets the momentum, and I think that Troop County could possibly even get to the state title this year. No, I believe they could. I mean, I've got them ranked number three right now uh, in my preseason. Benedictine, to me, is the favorite to repeat, but it's not an overwhelming favorite to repeat. Uh, Stockbridge, 10-3 and three last year, got to the quarters. I think that's a team they bring a lot back 
So because they're bringing so much back, I've got them up to number two and Troop right there at number three. I agree with you on that, Wayne County. There's some there's some teams, some interesting teams I have in my top 10 uh, in 4A, teams that I think are making a jump up this year, at least I'm predicting will make a jump up this year based on what they have coming back. Teams that were good last year, not great, that'll be even better this year. I think Westside Macon, Central Carrollton among that group uh, of teams to watch. Uh, in in uh, the middle of the rankings there in 4A. But Benedictine, I do have ranked as my favorite, preseason favorite slightly. Troop is in the mix. They could be there in the state championship game. There's no doubt about it. All right, so 3A, we know that the championship last year was Cedar Grove and Sandy Creek. Cedar Grove wants nothing more than to get revenge and get back to the state championship and win it. But I don't think either one of those teams get there. I'm going to actually call an upset. I think it's going to be an all Carver state championship okay. Carver out of Atlanta taking on Carver out of Columbus. Uh, that's certainly not a stretch by any means. I think those teams do have a shot. Uh, I would, I would disagree with you that it's going to be an all Carver final. Uh, it, to me, it's going to be an all Savannah final uh, Calvary day and Savannah Christian to me have so much coming back. Uh, they're both of them are loaded. Uh, Savannah Christian has the number one ranked sophomore, rising so, rising junior, sophomore in the state, Elijah Griffin on defense. I mean, he's going to be – he'll be one of the top prospects in the entire nation when he goes into his senior year. Uh, so I'm, I, I got Cedar Grove as my three team, and, and by no means are any of these uh, overwhelming oh, – none of these are overwhelming favorites, but I do have – if I had to be pinned down on it today, I would have Calvary Day ranked one, Savannah Christian ranked two, and I would have Cedar Grove ranked three. So Sandy Creek I will not be in the mix. They lost so much. I mean, they made their state championship run. Their coach retired. They don't have a whole lot coming back. I mean, they're, they're a good program, but they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. I don't anticipate them being in the mix. And you're spot on on the Carver teams, Carver Atlanta, Carver Columbus. Both of them are, you know, traditional strong programs with the same high school name. They'll be in the mix, but uh, I'm going with an all Savannah final. All right, Matt. I think that 2A is wide open. Thompson is the defending champions. Fitzgerald won it last year. They went right. to the championship and lost to Thompson, but you also have Callaway. You can go anywhere with this one. Appling County looks strong. I mean, you got some great teams in 2A. Uh, North Cobb Christian. I mean, mm -hmm. who do you like in 2A? I know I agree with your assessment that it is wide open. So when you get into a wide open situation, I, I tend to look for coaching stability. You know, who's been there, done that, and has success at it on a consistent basis. And in, in, and in that regard, uh, I haven't done my rankings for 2A yet. I got through 3A. Uh, in that regard, you know, I, I would look at teams like Callaway. I would look at teams like Fitzgerald. You know, Thompson did win it last year. Can they repeat? You know, how much do they have coming back? I'd have to take, I, uh, I'm just being totally honest, I haven't looked at that yet. That's next That's next up as I go down through the rankings. Um, but yeah, I would look at coaching stability and Callaway certainly fits that bill. Fitzgerald does, as you mentioned, they won it. Uh, the year before for the first time since 1948 and got back in it this past year. I would look at those teams, certainly, but I would agree with you that 2A is wide open. And finally, we have 
1A Division Two and 1A Division One. The championship games last year in Division and, Two. And let me just say, I hope oh. I hope they fix that. I mean, <laughs> they, yeah, it's confusing. It is. It's just I can't ever remember who's in Division One and Division Two. It used to be easy because one was private, one was public, and now it's oh, just yeah. like. How am I supposed to know what the average daily school attendance is and where the cutoff line is? I mean, it, it truly does require you to commit to memory. So, and the fact that they're both 1As in Division One, Division Two, why don't we just make it, you know, and of course this is all going to change anyway because they're going, they're, when the next reclassification comes around and they eliminate one of the classifications, they contract rather than expand. So I'm sure there'll be another round of confusion. But one A D one and one A D two always confuses me. But the bottom, but they got great football in both of them, so there's nothing confusing about that. Absolutely, Division two, the championship was Bowden versus Sly County, and then Division yep. one, Prince Avenue Christian and Swainsboro. For Division two, I like Sly County. I mean, I'm I'm yeah, playing no, favorites. I, would agree. I know that I'm I'm a, you know. Uh, I'm actually, you know, favoring them because they do belong to the Chattahoochee Valley. But I was able to see Schley County get all the way to the championship game. And, yep. and they look great. They got some great players coming back. Yeah, they do. And over yeah. in Division One, Prince Avenue Christian and Swainsboro. And it's it's hard to tell. I mean, because I know that sometimes, like, they, they kind of get left out when we talk about, you know, these uh, incredible games. But, you know, they, yeah. they do come from smaller towns, you know, but they – they truly do care about football in these smaller towns. I, I, yeah, no, they, they, they shouldn't be left out because I tell you what, the Swainsboro Prince Avenue, you know, 1A D1 state championship game was one of the best that I called last year. I mean, it was just incredible athleticism. Uh, you know, Swainsboro does have to replace their incredible quarterback, Kai Adams, who did his best Michael Vick impersonation during the state final, scored four touchdowns and actually signed with North Carolina, but obviously not as a quarterback, as a cornerback, as a defensive player. Uh, they're going to miss him, but they do have DeMello Jones coming back, who's committed to Georgia, super athlete. And I would say if you go back and watch that game, uh, Swainsboro could have won had DeMello Jones not taken anything away from Prince. They were incredible too. Uh, but they could have won that game had DeMello Jones not, you know, suffered cramps he could never get a, you know he had cramps early in the second in the second half and he was not near 100 percent. they finally had to take him off the field and he just simply couldn't couldn't run but uh demello jones comes back that's a good reason to like swainsboro aaron philo comes back for prince avenue christian quarterback committed to georgia tech uh and of course coach vandergriff always Re reloads does doesn't rebuild. I I would imagine Prince and Swainsboro will be right back there in the mix in there. And Sly County, I agree with you on that one. They they have a lot coming back again. I haven't done a deep dive on that classification yet, but I do know that they have a lot coming back, including some of the top players in the state. So I I would just uh, right off the cuff, I'd go I I would I would think that they're going to be there in the mix and maybe a good chance to get back in this time winning. Matt, I've had a great time talking college baseball and high school preview for football with you, and, and I'm really looking forward to this upcoming high school football season. But before I let you get out of here, okay. tell all my listeners where they can find you. Uh, well, I mean, during this kind of this slow period during the summer, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Matt Stewart TV. You can uh, follow my Facebook page at Matt Stewart Sports. 
so those are two good places. Uh, you know, like I said, summer's a slow time for me. You know, I've wrapped up baseball season, waiting on high school football season. I will be calling the uh, the PBR 16 and under national championship baseball tournament, uh, the championship game uh, on Lakes for Lake Point Sports. Well, it's held at Lake Point Sports. That'll be at the end of the month. And also the Rise Hoops Battle for Georgia 16 and 17 year old state championship games. And that'll be uh, June 28th for the baseball, July 2nd for the basketball. And so those will be just if you follow me on Twitter uh, or on my Facebook account, uh, you I'll tweet the locations where you can find that. That's going to be on the Lake Point YouTube page, I believe. I don't know if that's technically the title for it, but those will be great competitions great travel baseball competitions, 16 and under national championship. If you're familiar with Lake Point, which is just about, you know, probably about 45, 50 minutes north of Atlanta, probably about 30 minutes north of where I live. Um, tremendous facility. Every week they got some kind of national championship, multiple national championships being played across the spectrum of sports. I mean, they do everything there baseball, basketball, volleyball, soccer. It's become a go-to for teams, not just in the Southeast, but uh, organizations throughout the nation to hold tournaments there. So I'll be doing that during the, the coming weeks. And then the uh, Sunbelt baseball, uh, some, I'm sorry, Sunbelt football media days at the end of the month of July. I'll be there for a couple of days. Again, doing that, that'll be on ESPN Plus. And then we uh, get into August and uh, it's football season so there you go that's my summer but the best way to keep up with me at matt stewart tv on twitter and then of course uh, matt stewart sports on my facebook page sounds great it was great having you on the show matt thank you for having me look forward to, do, to the next time we do this absolutely that was matt stewart he is uh, the play-by-play -play announcer for gpb sports and uh, georgia baseball the sunbelt conference Pretty much everything in the Southeast, he has done it. And also, I forgot to mention, you're also the voice of the College Park Skyhawks. Well, we can, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a wholly different episode. We could just talk about Hawks basketball and how we're developing these rookies and, and coming yeah. up. To, well, we'll do that sometime, too. You know, the, the season oh, starts in November. It kind of follows the NBA season, just not quite as long. And, of course, the NBA season is 82 games. The, the uh, NBA G League season is 50 games. Uh, divided into two parts, uh, the winter showcase and then the regular season after, you know, after Christmas, the winter showcase start, ends when they go play in Vegas and have a little bit of a tournament and then they start the regular season. But um, yeah, I'll be happy to do that. Uh, we'll wait and see because every year the roster changes. They only have like two, two, maybe two or three players back from the previous roster. So once we figure out who's playing there, I'll be happy to talk about it. Well, we do have NBA Summer League that's coming out, so we'll probably see some future College Park Skyhawks playing in the Atlanta Hawks NBA Summer League. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Or, you know, somewhere, because that's the interesting thing about the G League is, you know, even though you play for the College Park Skyhawks, unless you're under a two-way contract, uh, then, you know, you're not, you can, and that happened to a number of the best players for the Skyhawks, at least two or three of them this year, got picked up by other teams. So that, that's a, it's a great thing for the G League player in that they're not pigeonholed into an organization. So if they're playing well for the Skyhawks, but they're not under a two-way contract with the Atlanta Hawks, 
then a team like the Toronto Raptors or the Minnesota Timberwolves can come in and sign you and, and take you away. And it's, it's great for the players, gives them a lot of flexibility and free agency, you know, uh, and, and makes it worth their while to play in the NBA G League. Thanks again, Matt. It was a great show. I enjoy talking sports with you, and I can't wait till the next time we do it. That'll be great. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Hope that you have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody.